Due to the graphic nature of this secret society's actions, listener discretion is advised. This episode contains descriptions of murder, abuse, racist ideology, and sexual assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Something to note, all of the groups covered on this show operate in secret. The details included in this episode are based on extensive research, but ultimately can never be 100% verified, except by society members themselves. At 9.30 p.m. in May 2020, the barracks were quiet. Most of the other U.S. Army grunts were out enjoying a pleasant evening in Vicenza, Italy. But 22-year-old private Ethan Meltzer sat in his bunk, his laptop open before him. He pulled up a document stored in a hidden folder on his iCloud titled Harvest of the Soldiers, just having it on his computer could land him in prison. After all, it was a terrorist's handbook for attacking American army units distributed by ISIS. Meltzer clicked on another file. This one had a series of satellite photographs showing a military base in Turkey, Meltzer's unit's next assignment. Certain the documents were in order, Meltzer logged into an encrypted chat app that he used to communicate with other members of the Order of Nine Angles. As planned, his ONA contact was waiting. Meltzer eagerly typed, I have the documents, and I now know the date when my unit is transferring to Turkey. His contact replied, that's good. When it all goes down, this will be a full-blown jihadi attack with mass casualties. You know there won't be any guarantee for your own safety. Meltzer responded, then I would have died successfully causing another 10-year war in the Middle East will definitely leave a mark on the world. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. I'm Greg Polson. And this is Secret Societies, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Thursday, we examine history's most exclusive organizations from around the world and try to shine a light on these mysterious groups. From the Illuminati to the Order of Nine Angles, we'll explore how much impact each secret society actually had on the world around them. This is our second episode on the Order of Nine Angles, a prominent Satanist group based in the United Kingdom. Last week, we discussed how neo-Nazi David Myatt used his writings to shape the ONA into a ritualistic, murderous cult. This week, we'll look at how Myatt's local organization evolved into a worldwide network with affiliate cells across Europe and North America. We'll also explore how members acted out the ONA's violent teachings in real life. We'll have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. 
It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. The Order of Nine Angles emerged in the early 1970s in England. It quickly joined the neo-Nazi movement that was growing in the UK at the time. Writing under the pseudonym Anton Long, right-wing activist David Myatt spent the 1980s and 1990s as the ONA's primary voice. Blending his Nazi sympathies with his interest in magic and the occult, he created a comprehensive set of violent religious practices. Core among them was the Art of Calling, a ritualized form of human sacrifice that targeted the ONA's enemies. During this time, Myatt also worked with right-wing paramilitary organizations. It was a way for him to put his theoretical teachings on violence into practical action. Before long, his association with these groups, as well as with the ONA, got him into trouble. In 1984, Might was suspected of committing a ritualistic murder. In March that year, a 78-year-old woman named Hilda Murrell disappeared from her home in Shropshire. Police found her car abandoned on the road near her house and feared foul play. A manhunt ensued. Three days later, an investigator searched a wooded area near where authorities had found Merle's car. He was preparing to leave when he noticed something lying in the brush up ahead. It was a shoe. Nearby lay a piece of tattered clothing. As he approached the items, the officer caught a glimpse of something narrow and white hidden beneath a large vine-covered bush. It was a human leg. Merle was naked from the waist down. She'd been beaten and stabbed multiple times. The coroner determined that she had still been alive when her attacker tossed her into the underbrush. Left to the elements, Merle died of hypothermia. Following her murder, numerous conspiracy theories arose in the press. Merle had campaigned for nuclear disarmament and criticized the UK's support of nuclear power. As a result, many people believed that government agents had killed her to silence her. Her nephew, a retired Royal Navy intelligence officer named Robert Green, investigated the case. Green believed that the British counterintelligence service, MI5, was involved with his aunt's murder. But according to him, they hadn't acted alone. Instead, Green believed there was an occult element to the crimes. The killer had etched strange symbols on Merle's driveway. They'd also abducted her on the spring equinox, March 21st, and they'd left her body near an ancient ley line. Ley lines are thought to be invisible links between important ancient sites and landmarks. Some people believe that these lines represent esoteric sources of energy. Some pagans took this theory one step further asserting that ley lines held the key to arcane knowledge that modern humans had lost. Green didn't think it was a coincidence that Merle was lying on a ley line. 
Instead, since the lines were part of a pagan belief system, he proposed that MI5 had hired Satanists to kill his aunt. While it sounded like an outlandish claim, Green's accusation wasn't all that bizarre. In the mid-1980s, fear of satanic cults was at an all-time high. People often attributed anything that hinted at the occult to devil worshippers. Green suggested that MI5 agents had taken advantage of this fear to disguise their role in Merle's assassination. Perhaps they'd hired Satanists to ritualistically murder Merle as a sort of red herring. If the public believed a cult was to blame, it would deflect attention away from the government. It's not clear if Green's investigations caused police to suspect ONA founder David Myatt of being the culprit. But Myatt lived in the area and was a well-known leader of a satanic cult. And in the ONA's Black Book of Satan, Volume 3, adherents are told to celebrate spring equinox with a ritual calling. According to some sources, the police eventually interviewed Myatt about the crime, but they could not prove that he had any involvement in the case. Though Myatt walked free, the Hilda Merle incident may have marked the first time the ONA came onto the police's radar. Myatt feared it wouldn't be the last. After his brush with law enforcement in 1984, Myatt became paranoid. Not long after his interview, he is said to have disbanded the ONA chapters he led in England. Deciding that a more decentralized approach was safer, he began reworking his teachings, encouraging practitioners to focus on studying the ways of the ONA in isolation. In addition, Myatt continued to write prolifically, publishing new works about the ONA and neo-Nazi philosophy. Perhaps his worries about law enforcement also convinced him to quit the country. Whatever the reason, Myatt allegedly left England for some time to study Arabic and travel across Africa in search of new esoteric knowledge. In his absence, a new figure emerged as the public voice of the ONA. Richard Moult was a musical composer and longtime member of the organization. Using the bombastic pen name Christos Beast, Moult put his own unique stamp on the group through his writings. He quickly became the ONA's new spokesman, calling himself the Outer Representative. As for Myatt, he continued to advise the group and even returned to England, though it's not known exactly when. However, he began focusing not on the society he'd founded, but on neo-Nazi activities outside the ONA. For him, the sevenfold way was primarily a lifestyle of violence, and he intended to embody it. In 1993, Myatt joined the violent neo-Nazi group called Combat 18. The organization began as the security wing of the British National Party, a far-right political club. Combat 18's purpose was to protect members from anti-fascist protesters. But the group quickly took on a life of its own and split from the British National Party in 1993, shortly after Myatt joined. With his ONA experience, Myatt quickly distinguished himself among Combat 18 members, speaking at meetings and helping to develop the group's ideology. He spent the next few years writing literature for the organization, including instructions on building homemade bombs. In the mid-1990s, Myatt penned a pamphlet called A Practical Guide to Aryan Revolution. It was a handbook instructing readers on how to plot terrorist attacks. 
it became one of his first writings to be posted on the internet. With that, the genie was out of the bottle, and the violent instruction manual spread rapidly. Simultaneously with Myatt releasing this powder keg, Combat 18 was in the midst of a crisis. The head of the organization, Charlie Sargent, was sentenced to life in prison after he and a friend stabbed a member of a rival neo-Nazi faction to death. Myatt had been a loyal follower of Sargent's. So after Sargent's arrest, Myatt left Combat 18 and formed his own group, called the National Socialist Movement. He immediately set about recruiting new members. However, it wouldn't be long before the law came for him, too. According to one online source, in 1998, detectives from Scotland Yard arrested Myatt. They claimed his online publications, including A Practical Guide to Aryan Revolution, incited murder and racial hatred. Though the authorities eventually released Myatt, a massive cross-departmental investigation is said to have begun. Myatt appeared on the cover of the anti-fascist magazine Searchlight, with the caption, the most evil Nazi in Britain. This second major criminal inquiry must have scared him. After being questioned in the Hilda Merle murder case, he reportedly disbanded his ONA chapters. This time, Myatt resigned from his own group, the National Socialist Movement. After nearly a decade on the neo-Nazi movement's front lines, he decided it was time to return to his esoteric studies. But then, in September of 1998, he did something that no one saw coming. He converted to Islam. Coming up, we'll explore Myatt's sudden change of faith and how his violent writings encouraged three murders. Parcasters, you know the world can be chaotic and unpredictable. But how far would you go to turn the tides of favor in your direction? In the newest Spotify original from Parcast, we're taking a closer look at bad omens, good luck charms, and age-old traditions that just might have the power to change our fates. Each episode of Superstitions presents a new drama that unpacks a different belief. Can holding your breath while passing a cemetery save your life? Will carrying a rabbit's foot bring you luck? How can you go through life always avoiding the number 13? And why should you try? They may seem mystical, unusual, completely illogical, but one thing is certain, you ignore them at your own risk. You can find and follow Superstitions free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. To hear more ParCast shows, search ParCast Network in Spotify's search bar and find a growing slate of thrilling new series to enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. In the early 1990s, David Myatt stepped back from his leadership of the ONA to practice what he preached. He joined and launched several neo-Nazi political organizations, becoming one of the most prominent British far-right figures. 
Then in 1998, Myatt shocked the world by converting to Islam. This action must have confused a lot of people at the time, but some think Myatt was trying to rehabilitate his reputation. Islam has often been called the religion of peace. Its very name comes from the Arabic form of that word. Optimists hoped that Myatt's change in faith was his way of rejecting his previous dedication to violence. But Myatt's true intentions quickly became apparent when he began writing tracks supporting Osama bin Laden in his terrorist crusade against the capitalist West. Despite viewing Muslims as ethnically and racially inferior, Myatt saw radical Islam as a vehicle to reach his ultimate apocalyptic vision for the future. He wanted Aryan superhumans to dominate the world and then colonize the galaxy. But before that could happen, Western capitalism had to be defeated. In practical terms, Myatt likely saw groups like the Taliban and Al-Qaeda as natural allies against his greatest enemy, a capitalist Judeo-Christian society. But even as he worked to create a new image for himself as a radical Muslim, Myatt's past writings on Aryanism continued to haunt him. He had already been investigated for inciting racial hatred, but in 1999, he became entangled in yet another murder case. Over several weeks in April, three nail bombs exploded across London. The blasts injured 139 people and killed three, including a pregnant woman. The first device detonated in a predominantly black neighborhood. The second went off in an area where many Asians lived, and the third targeted London's gay community. Police eventually arrested a 22-year-old named David Copeland for the crime. Copeland was a member of the National Socialist Movement, the group Myatt had started in 1997. On being questioned, he said his goal had been to start a race war. Investigators noticed immediately that Copeland's actions seemed to be directly inspired by the National Socialist Movement, which was based on Myatt's philosophies. On one of their web pages, they wrote that racial war means creating tension and terror within ethnic communities and damaging or destroying their property and their homes by firebombs and or explosive devices. Part of this involves attacking individuals and killing some of them. These incriminating words led police right to Myatt's door. He was questioned extensively during the investigation, but Myatt denied knowing Copeland or having anything to do with his bombing spree. And ultimately, police were unable to prove he had any involvement in the attacks. But that didn't stop a lot of people from believing he'd both known and mentored Copeland. By this point, Myatt was free to continue his pursuit of radical Islam and to start writing anew for the ONA, though this remained a secret. In the 2000s, both Myatt and the ONA's new spokesman, Richard Moult, continued to be influential in the organization. Using the internet to spread their work, the two could reach more potential members than they ever had before. In addition to recruiting people through the internet, the ONA started searching for members among different subsets of society. 
One group the ONA targeted were the so-called Belobians. This is what they termed artists, musicians, and writers who they believed shared the ONA's sinister ethos. For example, many satanic death metal bands and their fans were Belobians, and thus ripe for recruiting. ONA also targeted gang members. Myatt believed that, like Belobians, these groups followed an ideology similar to the ONA's. The society even went as far as claiming that a biker gang in Florida and a Hispanic group in New York followed their teachings. The group's final allies were what they called the Niners. These were individuals that followed the immoral teachings of the ONA and lived what they called an adversarial life. It's unclear if Niners followed the magical aspects of the ONA. A similar group of recruits is called the Drex, who presumably obeyed Richard Moult's personal Dreckian philosophy. In 2009, Moult published a booklet called The Dreckian Way. It elaborated on existing ONA beliefs and sought to prepare followers for, quote, the return of the dark gods through image, word, and music. In addition to this artistic focus, the Dreckian Way highlighted the practical teachings of the organization, including the art of culling. It also focused on using violence and antisocial behavior to undermine Western society. The book was apparently a success. As it turned out, the Dreckian Way was precisely what the ONA needed to reach a whole new class of potential converts. Anyone who wanted to become a Dreck simply had to participate in a pledge ceremony, either with others or alone. At these events, the new member stated, I accept there is no law, no authority, no justice except the Dreck, and that culling is a necessary act of life. I believe in one guide, our Dreckian law, and in our right to rule mundanes. After that, the new initiate cut his thumb with a hunting knife and let the blood drip onto a piece of white paper. He then burned the piece of paper and said, I swear on my Drekian honor as a Drek that from this day forth I will never surrender. I will die fighting rather than submit to anyone and will always uphold the Drekian code. Afterwards, the Drek had to carry the hunting knife used in the ceremony at all times. Once they were officially initiated into the Drex, members were encouraged to create chaos, terrorize people, and defy public laws. In the Drekian way, Moult wrote, We are sinister. We are amoral. We are feral. We are a new, sinister species. A new type of human being. In the book, Moult described anyone who is not a Drek as a mundane and encouraged violence against them. He wrote that Drex should treat mundanes as enemies, disobey their laws and police, and steal their wealth and resources. Moult claimed that the worst type of mundane was a group he called Homo Hubris. Because ONA literature is vague and often contradictory in nature, it's not clear precisely who the homo hubris are supposed to be. But considering the ONA's ties to neo-Nazi philosophy and Satanism, the word may refer to Jewish or Christian people. Moult argues that these people are responsible for everything that is wrong with the world. Drex are encouraged to use, manipulate, and terrorize them. Moult's teachings on the Drekian way attracted new converts to ONA philosophy. 
By removing some of the black magic and satanic rituals from his hateful philosophy, he was able to reach extremists who might otherwise have dismissed the group as being too esoteric. In the last 10 years, numerous far-right paramilitary groups have used ONA and Drekian literature to inspire their violent actions. One such group was a British association called National Action. Founded in 2013, it only took three years for the government to outlaw it as a terrorist organization. Despite that, National Action remained active underground. That's how a far-right provocateur named Garen Helm found the group. Helm had gained notoriety in the British press after the assassination of liberal British politician Joe Cox. Cox had been an outspoken advocate for immigration and anti-fascism and was murdered by a far-right extremist in 2016. In an undercover video, Helm stated that Cox was a traitor to her race and deserved to be killed. This wasn't the first time Helm got in trouble for hate speech. In 2014, after he threatened a different female politician with anti-Semitic language on Twitter, investigators searched Helm's home. There, they discovered his connection to national action and the ONA. Helm had a photo of Hitler hanging above his fireplace. But below that, on the mantel, he had another picture. It was a complex star-like figure with seven points and nine lines, representing the sevenfold sinister way. In other words, it was the logo of the ONA. According to Hope Not Hate, a British anti-racist group, Helm wasn't the only ONA supporter among National Action's leaders. Ryan Fleming, the head of a chapter in Yorkshire, was also a top figure in the neo-Nazi group. He'd made headlines in 2017 for raping a minor, his second sexual assault conviction in just six years. But the ONA's influence on national action was only the tip of the neo-Nazi iceberg. The society had also significantly influenced two other far-right groups, the Atomwaffen Division, based in Florida, and its British counterpart, the Zonnenkrieg Division. According to Hope Not Hate, these groups published some of the most disturbing propaganda seen from the far right in several decades. The Zonnenkrieg is known for promoting rape, torture, and pedophilia through their documents and videos. And if that's not bad enough, these two offshoot groups have also been implicated in multiple murders. Coming up, we'll explore how the ONA inspired a terrorist plot against the U.S. military. Now, back to the story. In the early aughts, the ONA increased its worldwide membership using the internet and social media to reach and recruit initiates. The total number of members remains unknown. Since then, two neo-Nazi terrorist groups who were influenced by the ONA, called the Atomwaffen Division and the Zonnenkrieg Division, have come to the attention of local authorities in both the U.S. and the U.K. The Atomwaffen Division was founded in Florida in 2015. It was a fascist terrorist organization that wanted to destroy civilization and bring about racial cleansing by ending Western capitalist society. In addition to these neo-Nazi aims, the Atomwaffen Division followed the satanic teachings of the ONA. 
This wasn't surprising, as according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, the Adamwaffen division was steeped in the history of the American white power movement and esoteric religions. The group published material with a small press that was run by one of its members, a man named Joshua Sutter. Sutter also led the Temple of Blood, which was a chapter of the ONA. All these ties to the society meant that it didn't take long before the Adamwaffen division began following the ONA's most deadly practice, culling. In January 2018, authorities found a gay Jewish teenager named Blaze Bernstein murdered in California with more than 20 stab wounds. Officers arrested a former classmate of Bernstein's named Samuel Woodward and charged him with the homicide. Investigators soon discovered that Woodward was a member of a California chapter of the Adamwaffen Division. They believed that ONA and Adamwaffen teachings on anti-Semitism and culling drove Woodward to murder Bernstein. As a result, authorities charged him with a hate crime in addition to murder. As of now, the case is still pending. But it wasn't an isolated incident. Police have arrested numerous other members of the Adamwaffen Division for various violent crimes. These transgressions ranged from weapon and drug charges to possession of child pornography, terrorist threats, and several murders. The group also inspired a sister society of violent extremists across the sea. By late 2018, the Adamwaffen Division's ONA-inspired brand of neo-Nazism spawned an English chapter called the Zonnenkrieg Division. The founders of the Zonnenkrieg identified with the satanic undercurrents in the Adamwaffen and ONA philosophy. They also valued the violent teachings of the Drekian Way, which claimed that laws were inventions of the mundanes. Therefore, practitioners were encouraged to be lawless. To that end, the Zonnenkrieg Division embraced crimes like pedophilia and rape, using encrypted apps and the dark web to spread their ideas. However, it wasn't these grievous crimes that pushed the group into the national consciousness. Instead, the Zonnenkrieg Division made headlines in England when they suggested that someone should assassinate Prince Harry. The group accused him of race-mixing when he married Meghan Markle, a biracial woman. Then they posted a photograph online showing Prince Harry with a gun to his head. The caption read, See you later, race traitor. Unfortunately, this is fairly tame compared to the group's other publications. In the past, the Zonnenkrieg Division has also produced a video in which an apparently willing female participant was tortured and cut with a knife. In other posts, members have asserted that all police officers should be raped and killed. The anti-fascist group Hope Not Hate stated, Some members of the Zonnenkrieg Division have also carried out satanic fantasies. Allegations of rape and imprisonment against their own members are circulating. In 2019, two teenage members of the group, Michael Shuchuk and Oscar Dunn Kozarowski, were convicted of encouraging terrorism. Though he wasn't charged for it, Shuchuk also maintained a blog where he discussed child rape. For his part, Dunn Kozarowski stated that it would be better to decapitate a child than let it become a liberal politician. He also said, quote, Terror is the best political weapon because nothing drives people harder than a fear of sudden death. 
For all these reasons, in February 2020, the group became the second neo-Nazi organization after national action that authorities banned in the UK. In addition to these groups, lone wolf individuals have also found inspiration in ONA writings. In 2019, an unnamed 16-year-old ONA practitioner became the youngest person ever convicted for planning a terror attack in the UK. He used a journal to chart his progress as he studied the ONA's teachings on personal transformation. His goal was to eliminate empathy for others and become, in his words, like the living dead. He plotted to attack places around his hometown and wanted to set fire to synagogues. He also sought bomb-making materials and professed an admiration for Hitler. Thankfully, police arrested the teenager for his online activities before he had a chance to carry out any of his plans. He was convicted in early 2020 for his actions and sentenced to nearly seven years in prison. Similarly, in the spring of 2020, 22-year-old U.S. Army Private Ethan Meltzer also attempted to put the ONA's teachings into practice. Meltzer first became affiliated with the ONA in 2019, though exactly how he got involved is unknown. Besides consuming the group's literature, he also obtained an instruction manual produced by the terrorist group ISIS called Harvest of the Soldiers. The booklet described how to perpetrate terror attacks against U.S. military personnel. In April 2020, Meltzer learned that the Army was transferring his unit from Italy to a base in Turkey. It was around that time that he began to plan an ambush on his own fellow soldiers. In numerous encrypted online discussions with ONA members, Meltzer laid out a plan to create a mass casualty incident against his own unit. He provided satellite maps of their base in Turkey, with each building clearly labeled. He also gave details about other soldiers' strength, surveillance, and defensive capabilities. The plan involved the ONA as a sort of middleman. Meltzer provided the details to his contacts with the group, and those people promised to pass it on to ONA-affiliated jihadi extremists in the area. Meltzer also supposedly exchanged messages with a member of Al-Qaeda. He intended to ensure that his contacts in the ONA understood how deadly serious he was. He acknowledged that he was willing to die, but that he didn't want to throw his life away for nothing. He told them that he was expecting results. The case is still pending, so we don't know the full details of what happened. But we do know authorities closed in on Meltzer and arrested him in June 2020. Once in custody, he admitted to everything and proudly stated that he was a traitor to the United States. He declared he had wanted to kill as many of his fellow soldiers as possible. His ultimate goal had been to start a war in the region. Like the ONA and the Adamwaffen Division, Meltzer claimed he wanted to bring about social change through terrible violence. As we've seen in many of these horrible acts, the ultimate goal of the ONA followers is to hasten the collapse of Western civilization and capitalism. They believe that the best way to do this is by spreading chaos and destruction. Once the downfall of society has been achieved, ONA practitioners then want to establish a white supremacist dominion. 
In their more esoteric teachings, they profess that the West is under political and financial domination by the Magians, which is their code word for Jewish people. Once the ONA and its allies can overcome these forces, as we covered last week, then they believe a new leader called Vindex will emerge. According to ONA writings, this messiah-like figure will lead the renewed West to colonize the solar system and establish an Aryan galactic empire. It makes for a disturbing picture of the future, but it's one that David Myatt and the ONA have been obsessed with bringing about. In the present, through the terrible crimes of neo-Nazi groups and right-wing extremists, the ONA and the Drekian Way have spread across the world and taken on a sinister life of their own. However, while the ONA seems to enjoy more popularity than ever before, its founder, David Myatt, has distanced himself from the group. He renounced his conversion to Islam around 2010 and publicly rejected all forms of extremism. Condemning his past writings and actions, he now spends his retirement following a personal philosophy called the Numinous Way. An alternative to the sevenfold sinister way, it preaches peace, tolerance, and compassion. But journalist Nick Lowell's of Hope Not Hate cast doubt on Myatt's 180-degree turn. He insisted that all of Myatt's actions, including his conversion to Islam and his creation of the Numinous Way, have all been part of a larger plan. Lowell's and others who have studied the ONA pointed out that practitioners of the Sevenfold Way were encouraged to perform something called an insight as part of their personal transformation journey. Lowell stated, Insight roles are a deliberate ploy to infiltrate, explore, and subvert other organizations and religions. He noted that Richard Moult also started to distance himself from the ONA and started practicing Catholicism. But like Myatt and his Islamic faith, Moult eventually renounced his conversion and began writing for the ONA again. Religion scholar Jacob C. Senholt seconded Lowell's skepticism. Senholt stated that while Anton Long, David Myatt's suspected alter ego, claimed to have retired from the ONA, Long has continued to publish documents on various ONA websites in recent years. If Myatt is Anton Long, as most experts suspect, then he clearly hasn't given up his role in the organization at all. Instead, his retirement and alleged change of heart might have been just another charade, a part of a larger diabolical plan that has been in motion for over 50 years. Manipulation of others is a core philosophy of the ONA. To achieve this, members are encouraged to lie. Myatt's longtime insistence that he is not Anton Long is an example of this. So it's not hard to imagine that while he publicly espouses peace, he's still working behind the scenes, planning for the downfall of the West. Meanwhile, across the globe, far-right extremism is on the rise. Social upheavals and political showdowns have shaken society. When religious studies professor Connell Monette interviewed ONA members, Monette found them hopeful about the group's future.
Thanks again for tuning in to Secret Societies. We'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Secret Societies and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. Hang a horseshoe above your door, keep a rabbit's foot in your pocket, and follow Superstitions free on Spotify. Listen every Wednesday for the surprising backstories to our most curious beliefs and thrilling tales that illuminate the mystical eeriness of our favorite superstitions.